Yeah, do yourself a favor and get some of this. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back. And like Bad News Brown on a Saturday night in Harlem, the Brian Campbell is here to hand out a ghetto blaster of that performance-enhancing audio. Yes, the untraceable kind. There's no wellness policy violation on this podcast. But we are coming for your free time as In This Corner hits you with three podcasts for the second straight week. Be sure to check out that emergency boxing pod talking all things Canelo Triple G with Rafe Boogs in the debut of our MMA pod as former UFC champ Sugar Rashad Evans joined me in studio in Fort Lauderdale to preview UFC 211. But don't be cheap now. If you listen to these, if you like these, if you hear something you like, say something. Sell out for us, right? Sell, sell some moves for us. Get out there. Take 60 seconds. Rate and review. Subscribe. All that good stuff. But without further ado, let me welcome in my muscle. It's the Week in Review WWE-style show. I got sitting next to me in person this this week, my very own version of Sing and Sing Security. Yes, all three of us are live in Florida. What part of Florida are we at? We are in sunny South Florida, brother. No, we're right near the beach. Oh, down by the beach, boy. boy. Yeah, I like how we worked the half-baked impersonation in 30 seconds into the show. That's nice. That's in really this good. corner, I've got the prize fighter himself, Adam Silverstein. How are you? Hey, now. Doing great. Across the ring for me, the voice you've already heard because he just can't contain it. The kind of voice that's been often confused as an aphrodisiac, the most passionate man in North America, Nick Costner. Now, I appreciate that intro. My voice has been called many things, never been confused for an aphrodisiac, um, unfortunately. And I don't like the fact that you lead the show talking about Bad News Brown and the Ghetto Blaster. The Ghetto Blaster used to knock people out. Bad News Brown, very stiff here. So unless we're giving our listeners some stiff shots here, Bri, I don't know about the Bad News Brown. Hey, all stiff all the time on this podcast. I think that people have learned to know that. But uh, look, I'm not going to fool around uh, saying hi anymore. we got to get into the main event this week. And the week that was in WWE, and the week that was in WWE was very, very disappointing. So before we sort of um, tear down your childhood and, and really just pick apart everything that was awful this week, let's lead off the main event with the one thing that I thought was good, the one thing that got me fired up. Roman Strowman, guys, continues to be the best feud WWE has put out there in the five weeks since WrestleMania 33. This week... Yeah, I'm going to say it. Roman kind of acted like a heel, and I loved it. Runs in on Braun Strowman's match with Kalisto, takes that supposedly injured arm and elbow, bangs it out against the post. That's not what a good guy could, would do. I know he's not a good guy. I know he's not a bad guy, all right? I know he's the guy that kicks out of everybody's finisher. I know he's the guy, but the guy acted like a heel this week, and this guy loved it. I don't know that he acted like a heel. Oh, I think he's more anti-hero. Like that's a Stone Cold. He's Steve no Austin Steve Austin. Well, he's not a, a, your traditional. I baby know Steve face. Austin. I'm friends with Steve Austin. He's no Steve no, Austin. But, well, right? I, no, that's certainly true. But I mean, but he's he's not the traditional good guy, and I think that's what he did. I mean. Uh, any good guy, any professional wrestler, right, in the storyline that's been abused the way that Roman Reigns has, has to come out and defend himself, right? So I actually liked what happened with Roman Reigns on Monday night, and I think that gave you a glimpse as to why WWE keeps shoving him down fans' throat, because he's like John Cena in a sense, that no matter how much people dislike him, the bottom line is, the guy gets the biggest reaction out of anybody, whether you're cheering him or whether you're booing him, and on what I consider to be a lackluster Raw, and I'm gonna bang on the crowd in London. Bang. Cause I th- he I th- bangs, guys. He's, he bangs. I I bangs, I bang, I move, I move. The London crowd was abysmal on Monday night, and the show wasn't great, but bottom line, the crowd can help make a show. That crowd was bad right, on Monday out. night. The crowd was not bad. The presentation no, of the product no, was the bad, which bad. we'll get into, so pause they, on that. They dovetail together, Adam right? Silverstein, is this injury real, this Braun Strowman thing that they announced as real? Yeah, I mean, it's being reported that you're looking at a one- to two-month injury, four- to eight weeks, and I, what I always like the WWE does is... 
when it when it finds a really good way to take a real life injury and work it into you know the storyline and what's going on. So if you have Braun and he's actually going to be out, then you need to figure a way, out a way to put him legitimately out of action for four weeks. Now I hoped they were going to do that to Roman Reigns. You know when Braun attacked him, threw him in the ambulance, and you know tipped that over. I wanted Reigns out for like eight weeks. They got to not, too many chest protectors. Yeah, not even over. not even with a legitimate injury for that to happen. I just wanted that to go down. So now that we're dealing with this situation, I like the way they handled it, that. Roman got really aggressive. I think I called Reigns Reigns an antihero in the car yesterday when we were driving to dinner tell me if i'm wrong brian i think i said that so nick and i are on the exact same page he's not a hero but it was heel antics but it's something that a face has to do in order to protect themselves well, and say look, look i'm not gonna let this guy just run me off and he the just road. went over the undertaker at wrestlemania and like undertaker's last match like he can't continue to get abused without firing back i know i'm splitting back. hairs here but a good guy defends himself i'm not sure a good guy breaks up another man's match and, and breaks the sanctity of sport and competition and then pulls the supposedly injured body part out and just bangs it against a post. What is this, the late 70s? I mean, we've seen this happen. This Look, happens I all know the time. there's no such thing as a pure white meat baby face outside of Bailey anymore, and Roman has never been that. And the fact that he isn't that actually still pulls in the, the hardcore type of angry fans who are cynical against him because sometimes he does things that are heel-like without after having to make him a heel. But that's not a good guy move. I know Hulk Hogan would rake your back and rake your eyes, but Hulk Hogan wouldn't go out of his way to... You know, he'd wait for you to come to him, and he'd give you your comeuppance on the biggest stage. Yeah, but no one, no one, no one tipped Hulk Hogan over uh, a, a, you know, uh, whatever a loading dock, and then tipped him over in an ambulance either. Damn right, brother. He, wait, he would never. He's got creative yeah. control. He's not signing <laughs> exactly. off on that. Come on. Uh, can they book around the injury on Braun Strowman if it's real? Then can can we use him in these? You know, the Kalisto match with one arm. It made sense because Braun is such a, a stri- what, you know. What do you want Braun to do? Talk? Because we saw how that yeah, went on Monday. I actually don't think he's terrible on the mic. I do. He's, he's not great on the microphone, but he's definitely not bad. He just has to be limited doses. Like, he can't go out there and do 15 minutes, but he could give you two minutes and he's not bad. His entire gimmick, I said this three, two or three weeks ago, is, is his entrance, the roar. That's his whole, so all he does every no, time he talks is, that he's big. is he does that. And they haven't given him any help on the mic. It's just not good. I mean, he's great in the ring. He's athletic. He's fantastic. He's big. He, he's, uh, I love watching him, but I don't want to hear him ever. Well, I think that if you give him two minutes, he's okay. But I'm with you here. He's not the kind of guy that's going to go out there and roll for 15 minutes on the microphone. He can't do that. Well, like in a week where, and again, we'll touch on that very shortly, a week where they press pause essentially on all the feuds, this one didn't necessarily go anywhere too large, but they stuck with the story they were telling and they just amplified it more, which is Reigns getting a little bit back of comeuppance. So how long do you think this feud is going to go? Where? What is the end game right now? It's hot. It works. It's so damn physical. There's been plenty of moments with the ambulance getting flicked, flipped, the back door of the ambulance getting ripped off. And there's been some great moments. Where does this end and how does that injury affect that? It dies before SummerSlam because it's not going to be. Reigns will do something different at SummerSlam and Strowman's going to do something different at SummerSlam. God willing, Strowman's Injury is going to heal properly, and he's going to be back before then because he's a great performer. You want him there on the card, star power, etc. But this can't stretch past Great Balls of Fire, and I can't believe that I'm actually referring to it by the name. Uh, uh, that's what. It, but it, no, but it can't. Like, probably it, it an extreme rules. Well, extreme rules is a raw pay per view. Right? Yeah, I mean, extreme rules. It makes sense for them to end their feud with a stipulation match, an ambulance match, a um, you know false count anywhere. And by the way, Cena Ryback ambulance match. It, it held underrated, well. underrated match. Well. Um, so I think that's the, where this is headed. Um, but the question is, we want to see Strowman Lesnar. And then we want to see Reigns Lesnar. So if they're not going to do Reigns Lesnar until necessarily WrestleMania 33, then what are they going to do in the interim? And can they have Strowman Lesnar 
if Reigns beats Strowman. Because if they're going to fight one final time, Reigns has to be the one that goes over in that match. You're not going to have Reigns lose to Strowman and then wait nine months and fight Lesnar. So I don't know how they get there at this point, especially with him being injured. Well, we'll find out. It's the it's the one feud this week that stood out. It worked. And, guys, our co-main event this week is that nothing else worked, okay? Because WWE was overseas on this European trip, Raw and SmackDown from London, the O2 Arena. Nick, you mentioned that the crowd didn't bring it. That crowd, all they do is bring it. So when you see an underperforming London crowd, you know you've given them an underperforming product. Is it in the contract that WWE has to mail in these these go-away shows, these these vacation shows from England? Because I've seen decent ones in the past. You remember when Big Show and Roman Reigns were in that post-WrestleMania Stay Busy feud and, and Big Show destroyed Reigns on top of this mini car? I mean, there's you know, there was, there was a moment. It was something. Santino winning the Intercontinental Championship something. overseas. Why this year and this week? Look, Raw was bad, but at least Raw had some really good matches. Two to three really good matches. SmackDown was just horrific. Both really glorified I house shows. Was better, to be honest. Exp- uh, no, get oh. no. For, okay, SmackDown was the worst show it, I've no. seen Sma- in Smackdown years. Was, SmackDown was better than Raw. Oh my there's god, not, there's so not bad. a chance you can provide three reasons to back it up. <laughs> We're actually going to put you on trial right now. Okay, I can do that right now. Number one, Brizango was the best thing on either Raw or SmackDown this week. I, and I, sincerely, and that's a good just, moment. That's that's a, that's a that's how bad Raw was. They were the best thing. On either show this week, Breeze Ango was. That's how bad Raw was. Number two, Kevin Owens is on SmackDown, and for my money right now, in terms of in-ring and on the mic ability, Kevin Owens is the best all-around performer right now in WWE. Can't and I argue think, with that. And I think Raw is really missing Kevin Owens, and I think that I really only have two reasons to give. I don't know that I have a third, but those would be the two All right, not enough to sway me. I'll respect what you said. It feels like, though, like... There's a calculated decision to pause current storylines. Like, but they have their resources with them. All the big stars are there. Maybe there's a few guys who, who are on no fly list and they couldn't make it, but, but you had everybody there you'd want. Why did it suck this hard? I don't even know if I can say that on this podcast. I just put those words out there. What's the strategy, Adam? Do all they care about is moving Finn Balor shirts? Is that what's going on? I don't know. It seems like they're almost worried that because the show is taped, like they're going, still going up against Nitro and they can't just move storylines. I would have flipped to Nitro so quick. Like they would. I I I mean, you flip those channels immediately if if there's any competition for that Raw and SmackDown over in England. Look, SmackDown, I have to, I I can't get off SmackDown being the worst show I've ever seen because the first two seconds, the first two segments of the show had 15 superstars that did absolutely nothing. Then you had maybe the worst segment. They open to Raw every week. Then you had maybe (laughs) the worst segment in SmackDown history with Mojo Raleigh getting kicked in the shin by a kid. And then, like, chasing the kid around. Who's he giving a tour? Why is he giving a tour to these kids? Who are they? They didn't seem to have uh, British accents. Yeah, where's, I, I where's Wayne Rooney in the front row slapping some people when we like, need him? It, well, I, I was hoping for we'd get a, a run in with I got a bit of bad news. Can we? Can we? Is that too much to ask? Well, I mean, he's not on the. He's not. Uh, he left, right? Where's the bad UK? Although, although I did like bad news, Barrett. I think there's a problem with Raw overall here, and I'm going to disagree. Just one last thing on the crowd thing. Um, if the crowd had been better, the show would have been better. I don't think this was an instance of them putting on a bad show and the crowd was bad. I think the show was average and the crowd was bad. And because the crowd was right, so bad, it show, took an average show We down. can't sit here and fight over this, but the show was not average. It, it was. was not. It, it was. was an abomination. It was an average show, it was a house made show. worse by the fact that the crowd was bad. Here's my problem with Monday Night Raw. Adam, you brought this up last week. It's really suffering right now yeah. without Brock Lesnar. Yeah. It needs Brock Lesnar, right? Because you look at the three main baby faces on Monday Night Raw right now. 
Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose. Now, I'm not as big a Dean Ambrose guy as most people are. I think he's pretty good, but I think his ceiling is intercontinental champion, right? Finn Balor is good in the ring. He's not so great on the microphone, yet at least. Seth Rollins is a much better heel, in my opinion, than he is a face. No so doubt. you have the, oh, the three top good guys on Raw here. I don't really consider to be extremely viable, and Roman Reigns is, is, is supposed to be the top baby face, and he's barely been on the show while he's selling this injury, while Brock's out right now. So I think Raw right now is lacking in main event star power from its top guys. As much as no one wanted AJ Styles moved over to Raw, maybe he should have been because that solves that problem. And you can take a Seth Rollins or you can take, you know, Finn Balor or someone else like that and move him over to SmackDown and have them develop just like Styles did over that one year. So fans were against it. They were screaming against it, just like the fans were screaming for that women's Tag team match to be added, not tag team match, the title match to be added to WrestleMania. And then what happened? Who are those fans, by the way? Because I want to talk to everyone. They were screaming on Twitter. And then it got, what, it got six minutes on the show and was terrible. And if it was in the pre-show, it would have been much better. So sometimes we criticize WWE before we see where they go with certain things. And maybe Styles should have been moved over. You know, I'm I'm happy he wasn't because I got a quick fix. I like what's going on. You just book. And connect the dots and make it work. So, hey, guys, guess what? We love the Raw ending last week when Bray Wyatt kind of got relaunched and he seemed to start a feud with Finn Balor. Guess what? Our videos, our podcasts that week, our analysis, our written pieces were, hey, you know, House of Horrors was horrific, but at least now we have Bray and Balor. It's probably going to be pretty good. Guys, Bray and Balor didn't show up in the same scene on Monday night. How do you not continue the consistency, the fluidity? That would have fixed it. I'd love to have AJ and Raw. You don't need AJ and Raw. You had Finn and Bray. True. How do we explain that? Do we just say, oh, well, we're just pressing pause. This is a house show. What do you expect? This is the dead season after WrestleMania. No, because guess what? The dead season on Raw was last fall during football season. When, Always. When, when Triple yeah. H took four to six months off and didn't appear once. And thank God we had Chris Jericho who saved that show every night when SmackDown was killing it on Tuesdays. I guess this is the dead area, but you didn't even try this week, WWE, so that's my problem. It's not just after big shows like WrestleMania where they have a dead area. With all these staggered pay-per-views and them not being even, sometimes WWE gets like a six-week stretch between a company's pay-per-view, so like Raw or SmackDown. There's a six-week gap, and WWE is struggling right now to figure out the mini-feuds, the feud that gets you through two weeks – and then you restart and you build for the pay-per-view. They just say, okay, this is the pay-per-view match that we're going to have, and now we have to get there in six weeks, which you can't do it. It's too long, and you can't ask even good writers and good bookers to get there. You just can't do it. But you know who's not struggling? NXT with that type of booking, 205 Live with that type of booking. So is it? am I to believe, if I read the tea leaves, that a Triple H-handled production makes sense and everything connects and feels like the 80s and the territory system, where maybe a Vince and Kevin production these days, there's a gap in a holder. Am I reaching too far for that? Let's not forget, NXT is a one-hour show. They have a wider variety of different things they can do. The champion's not on every show. The Both champions sometimes aren't on shows. Shows coming after NXT takeovers are often taped before, during, after the takeover itself, they're totally worthless shows. So NXT has some problems too in that regard, but you can't, it, there's a difference between booking a three hour raw in England and a one hour NXT in an Orlando studio. So I, let's not even compare those. Right. Just, what, the booking's lazy. It is. I mean, it, it is lazy. It, it's like, okay, and you saw it in the main event of SmackDown also. It's okay, we've got the three top heels and the three top faces. What are we going to do with them? Let's put them in a six man tag. Like, you can't come up okay. with something better. So than I that. rip that and people are going, well, you don't like gender going over? No, I love gender going over, but I had no reason to care about that main event. There's no connection to storyline. The the match didn't overachieve like some of them on Raw. Seth Rollins versus versus Samoa Joe overachieved on Raw felt like a pay-per-view. Great. 
really had no storyline around it. Except the crowd stunk. SmackDown yeah. main event made no sense, and it goes back to your point on Breeze Yeah, that probably was the best part about SmackDown. And by the way, when they opened that jail cell and Ascension was and in there, I laugh kind out of loud. like rubbing chest. Yeah. Why don't you just lock that back up and leave him in there, okay? That, that's just <laughs> no, but, no, but they were funny, though. Like, that no, was good. Yeah. By the way, the Joe Rollins match, that's why Raw was better this week. Uh, the Joe Rollins match was good, but again, the crowd was bad for it. And, and that's, they put on a good match, the crowd didn't pop for it. That was bad. Hey, we, we, it's, I could sit here and complain all day. I may try to, but we're gonna transfer out. We're gonna do a quick hero or zero this week. You know the drill as things stand right now. Is it working? Is it not working? Give me your best take. We're gonna start off Adam. Kalisto open raw with a new entrance, the new music, the new look, and the same horrific ability on the mic. My first question was, why the heck on your flagship show are you running Kalisto out in the main segment? Hero Zero, I'm the new version of Kalisto. Oh, I mean, it's a zero. It's it's an epic zero. I did like the mask. The mask is kind of like a baby demon type of with like flames sticking out. I didn't mind that. The ring gear is awful. The music is horrendous. The When, when uh, entrance music hits, you have to get excited for that person to get to the ring. And Kalisto had it with the Lucha stuff. The fans are chanting. They love that. They love it. So instead you have this slowly building. I don't even know what that sound was. It it was terrible. It was a zero. I don't even want to keep talking about it. No, it, it was look, bad. What are you doing with this guy? We're done at getting excited about the idea of the David Goliath thing with, with Kalisto. And We're that's done. where they failed. We're done. Okay. It had its season. Guess what? He's good in the Lucha Dragons. It, it's a tag team that pops. They do moves. The kids like to wear the mask and do the stupid dance. Whatever. That's good. Either put him back in that because it makes no sense having Sin Cara separated or put him in the cruiserweight division where he belongs, guys. No, I mean, there's no need to go further, right? Well, well, here's where I think they failed, right? And and here's where I think WCW sort of you can look back to what they've done successfully in this regard. So you remember back when Rey Mysterio was just a cruiserweight in WCW. It was Rey mm-hmm. Mysterio Jr. Last week he was Ron Mysterio on Ron our show. Ron Mysterio, yeah, yes, right. what Jericho used to call him. Do you remember when the NWO did a vicious beatdown outside the arena? Oh, yeah. And – Ray oh, jumped yeah. at Nash, and Nash caught him and launched him into the trailer like, like a lawn dart. Like a lawn dart. If you, if you, younger viewers that have never seen this, I urge you to check it out on YouTube. Kevin Nash launching Ray Mysterio. It's not the PC in this day and age. No, of, it's not. It was very brutal, very violent. And and I remember I was like 13 years old, thinking it was the coolest thing ever. And they did a match on Nitro. Mysterio went over Nash in lucky fashion, and the crowd went nuts. So if you do the David and Goliath match properly, it works. It doesn't work with Kalisto, right? It work it, every week. It though. didn't work with the with Braun Strowman. Roman necessarily, and now you're trying to do the same thing. And Adam, like you said, like we have this relaunch of him, and then he's out there for 10 seconds, and Roman Reigns comes out, and he's totally forgotten. What I would do, to your point, Brian, you know who's a really good cruiserweight that actually can get some heat as a face potentially in this role? Austin Aries. Put Austin Aries as, as the the, the David He'll in this graduate. role against a Goliath. I just don't think Kalisto's the right fit there. Well, well, that's what you can do. First of all, you didn't give us a hero zero. I'm assuming it's a zero. Yeah, of course it's a zero. Okay, I'm just yeah. assuming. But what you can do is... You have Neville, for example, run with this title and just keep beating guys. No one can beat him. Have Kalisto beat him. Bring him into the cruiserweight division as a face that people are really amped out up about. And that works and promote Neville because Kalisto's brilliant in the ring. We have yeah. to put that as a foundation, guys. He's brilliant in the ring. He's, He's great. He's yeah. great. And He's you good. and you can use that whether it's Aries, whether it's Neville, whoever he ends up beating. You give him one match in the cruiserweight division, just whatever. He wins it. He's in there. That guy gets promoted to the main, not the main roster, but the regular roster. I hate that it's separate. I don't like that at all. Um, but that's how you do it. What do you think? Hero or zero for Kalisto? I'm assuming. Oh, it's a zero. And look at yeah. the, the mask. It looks like a, a leftover from Kane's 90s collection. It makes no sense. He's not good on the mic. We know that he did the lucha things during the draft last year. People still rip him about it when he gave that great unscripted promo where he struggled and he said, I'm, I, I'm going to do lucha things. It was one of the great un, unintentional comedic moments in WWE history. Moving on. 
Nick, we talked about Brazongo real quick. Fashion Files Week 2. We know you're going to say Hero. Where do they go from here? I just think that where do you was, go? Where do you keep going with it? I just I think it's brilliant on a number of different levels here, and I don't know who's writing this. If people are writing this for them, or Tyler Breeze and Fandango themselves are coming up with this because the material is hysterical. Like the timing is excellent. Tyler Breeze going, "I'm too old for the shirt," and Fandango <laughs> looking at him and going, <laughs> "You'll grow into it," which is wrong, right? Because you don't grow into like like he would have to be younger to grow into it. He'd be too young for the like. Take was, that Ico Pro, you'll grow was, into it. Right? Yeah, uh, take the Ico Pro, you'll be busting out of you look like scott steiner but it was so funny when they open up the door and the ascension are in there what are they doing in there it was just it was really brilliant you've got fandango now coming out and playing to the crowd with the uh with the dance with this theme music the mismatch of their of their music is very funny i just think that they're great and the crowds behind them now the fashion files are funny put them over and give them a run with the tag team championships and then like we talked about then break them apart through the barbershop window and then push my guy tyler the moon and back see i would push fandango instead oh get out of here you don't mean that. You're, you're actually you're coming from my heart right no, now. No, I trying... like I like both of them though, and I think they both deserve a run here and have them feud with the new yeah, day. But that would be a hysterical feud. It would. On both sides. By the way, the new day is probably never coming back to SmackDown. But one of those <laughs> two smells like Janetti, and the one that does smell like Janetti is Fandango. I, and you I, know I disagree. This man. I, I, th- I think Breeze is Fandango. So uh, Breeze is uh, is Janetti. So for me, it's a hero, and I agree that Fandango is for me better than Tyler Breeze. I think he always will be. Like the mannerisms, like Get just the out. character They're in both general. Good, though. Get and I, and I think if you have the ability to change one of their characters eventually, if they do turn on each other or whatever, that you can do more things with F- Fandango uh, than you could with a potential Tyler Breeze. It's a hero for me. The I said last week that it was a tempered expectation. I wanted to see what happened in week two. Week two delivered. So it did exactly what I wanted. Them as a tag team, I'm still buying them as well. But they need a better finisher. They need a tag team finisher if you're going to keep them together. Because right now, him doing the – I don't even remember what it's called. It's the top rope, the last The dance. leg drop from the top, the top rope. top rope leg drop, yeah. Yeah, that's not good enough. And it's a singles per, It's a single-person move. Get them something together. You can give it a cool Get them nickname. Get a bag twist, whatever it is. Just borrow it from Jack Gallagher. And, and you know, it's, with, it's, the, uh, with the umbrella full mask. And right? it's really funny because there's a, a, a level of Billy and Chuck to what they're doing, right? Like yes. a level of homoeroticism right. behind it yeah. that I think that – Justin Edge, right? Correct. That they didn't do, I think, well enough with Billy and Chuck. That, and they think that they are really striking the right chord here with Fandango and Tyler Breeze. I, I just think that it's, like I said, it's, it's the perfect intersection of highbrow and lowbrow. I think it's brilliant. What about you, Brian? Oh, here all the way. Slide on, slide on. All right, let's move on. Um, Brian, tell, talk to me about this. The unexpected relationship, marriage, partnership between the Miz and Bray Wyatt. We've seen it now. Is it three, three weeks, weeks on Raw? And, it doesn't make any sense. There's been no explanation given. It started with apparently Bray Wyatt writing a letter or a card to The Miz telling him, hey, I'm going to be your secret partner. Why did that happen? How did it happen? Is it good? Here or zero? No, it's because it's unexplained. It makes no sense. We talked about this week suddenly Wyatt and Balor, which had potential. Now no one's talking about it. It's not there. And now, guys, guess what? You're going back into misusing Bray Wyatt again because uh, it was a mail-in Raw main event. No one cared this week. Now Miz and Wyatt are helping each other. No expectation. Stop. Bray Wyatt doesn't isn't helped by people. He's only helped by the people that he mind controls, these dirt bag guys, these, these deadbeats that follow him around wearing wife beaters. And by the way, you can purchase 
to Luke Harper, wife beater now. You can purchase a pack of them on WWE Shop, which is fantastic. But, guys, let's not try to dumb down Wyatt's character. He's a, he's a psychopath. He's a guy from Cape Fear. He's not going to just join powers unexplained with The Miz unless they're, like, going after something together. They're not. Or unless maybe he's going to slide into Maurice's DMs. Because if that's an angle, you know I'm getting down for that, all right? It was a complete zero. Stop doing this, WWE. Stop putting the stamp on and mailing it in. There, There is – I don't think there is a marriage between the two of them. And I think, like, I'm reinforcing the point that you made. It makes no sense. The reason why that they've been connected here in the storyline is because they're both heels and because they have nothing else Not to do with enough. them. So, like, when Miz slides back into the ring on Monday night to further beat down – Ambrose. He looks at Bray Wyatt first to make sure that Bray's not going to come after him. They're not together. They're just both bad guys. And Bray is a heel, so he's not going to attack the other heel, which makes no sense when you look at Bray's character. He shouldn't care about that sort of thing. So I don't think there is a marriage between the two of them. I don't think there's anything to explain because I think it's stupid. So Zero. So for me, I, I don't want to give it a zero because I always hold that hope that like something really cool and unexpected would happen. It's not. Like, he turns Miz, he turns Maurice, whatever. What I think is going to happen is eventually Miz is going to get so comfortable with Bray. You always see this when two heels get together. They're together in the ring. He pats him on the back, like, thanks for help. Bray turns on And him. then he turns on him. But he him. already turned on him two weeks ago. He hits him with a sister ab. Right, he already did it. So, so I, in the- yeah, it, it, so I'm not going to give it a zero. I don't want to give it a hero, so I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to push on this, and this is the first push in the history of the, in this corner, because I just want to see we still have a few weeks until Extreme Rules, and I want to see where they go with it. I'm holding out hope that there's something kind of cool and unique there. So I'm not giving it either right now. But I know that's kind of a weak move to do, but that, that's very, what I'm doing. Very weak. I know. Hero or Zero, Adam, on the new heel team, Sheamus and Cesaro. Not a new team, but newly heel. They did win the tag team turmoil match this week on Raw, which, by the way, was an excuse to use five tag teams and take 45 minutes and, and spend four commercial breaks on one match. That was, uh, that was all right. To become the number one contender for the Hardy Boys Championship, hero on them getting put in the spot and, and them performing with those Travis Bickle jackets from Taxi Driver. So I'm a big, I'm a big hero on them. Um, just in general, I, I like them individually. I like them together. I like them as faces. I like them as heels. In that turmoil match as a whole, I said during it on Twitter that I had wished they started with um, Rhino Heath Slater and Enzo and Cass, two of the quote unquote weaker teams. That way, you give. Enzo and Cass another victory. Stop having them just job every single time they're on TV. But in lieu of that, them having Sheamus and Cesaro start the match and defeat all five opponents or all four other four opponents on the way to locking up that number one contendership. If you're going to build them as heels and strong heels and a threat to take the Hardy Boys titles, then I think that's exactly how you have to do it. So hero for me on them, hero for me on the build, and I hope they take the titles from them at Extreme Rules. Thank you, nailed it. Sliding on. All right, Bri. NXT TakeOver Chicago, May 20th. That's actually going to be a crowd that's going to be pretty good, unlike the crappy crowd Great in London crowd. that we saw this week. So the women's championship situation on NXT, we've got Asuka. is a fatal four-way coming up here. What's your take on this hero or zero Look, coming up at TakeOver? Giant hero. And this took place, you know, we, we record on Wednesday, so we're, we're always reflecting back to last week's NXT episode. And I thought this was great. They had a 15-woman battle royal to close the episode. And the problem is you have no depth right now in the NXT women's division. Asuka, undefeated, just been so dominant over two years so even when she had a decent match with Ember Moon at the last takeover there's still a gap in ability a gap in star power there but the best Asuka match that we've seen since since they've stripped the women's division of any stars 
was that takeover match in San Antonio, a four-person match, with which Nikki Cross just shined, went through a table, just took over that match. You saw the two Australian girls, uh, Team uh, Iconic, however they're calling themselves, teaming up there. Now you're booking as a punishment because Asuka interrupted that battle royal last week when there's down to three girls and just destroyed them, left them unable to continue where they had to call off the battle royal. William Regal comes out and says, as your punishment, you're booked into a fatal four-way. It's a huge hero because this is the best way to book Asuka because they booked her so strong that there's really nobody else. Like they had to bring back Mickey James and dust her off you know, last year to try to just give her somebody to feud with. It's probably not time in their plans yet to call her up, and they still need her to, to sell tickets. So since nobody else is ready in Ember Moon. They tried it once. If they continue it, she's not ready. Go for a person match. This I'm really excited about where this is going because Asuka is one of my top three favorite superstars in the whole company. So it's a hero for Brian. First, I want to point out this is now a triple threat match, not a fatal four-way. Reason is um, Ember Moon got injured, hurt her shoulder. I don't know if it's a kayfabe injury or not. I don't think it is. So she's out of the match. So now it's a triple threat without the woman who gave Asuka her biggest test for the title. Now, when they made the match, that was obviously before that happened. I thought them making that match was a hero at the time. I thought it was a good opportunity for them to take the belt off Asuka without her necessarily losing it. Then you have her and Ember Moon kind of, you know, feud up until the next takeover. Asuka wins, loses, but it doesn't really matter. But it, you get, it gives you more time for that rivalry to happen and for you to build her up. Now that Moon is out of the match, again, couldn't have been seen ahead of time when they made it. It's a zero for me because... Neither of those other women are a threat to take the title from Asuka. Asuka's by far the most talented woman in that division. And the only match I want to see is her and Moon. So for me, it's tough to leave her off a card. But, you know, that's the match I want to see. And if, if I don't get to see them too, then I know she's going over in this triple threat. And if she doesn't, then it's a bad booking. Well, by the way, we talk a lot about how good has Shinsuke been booked on the main roster? Are they ruining him? Blah, blah, blah. If they ruin Asuka, they're going to be hearing from me. You're going to be writing letters to my senator. I'm going to be showing up at Titan Towers knocking on the door. we got to get out of here and slide into my favorite segment. It's all about sliding into these DMs. I these, do it all the time. Because these DMs are DMs. they're open, guys. It's open season. These are actual questions from our from our more hardcore listeners. And the first one, guys, i got to give it to all three of you here. From Heel Matthew, which is at Heel Matthew on Twitter. two of us here. Does he know that? Well, three, I think, when he well, Joe, himself. Just sure. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, making sure he's not seeing an extra person I wasn't somewhere. told there was going to be math in this, but I will say <laughs> he wants to call out our guy Nick from his debut. He says, BC, your boys are crazy. First in putting Seth over AJ when we talked last week about who's the best worker and then not universally agreeing that Seth was better than Finn. He went on to ask us if all three of us could state our case to who is the best in-ring performer right now in WWE. Nick, I'm going to put you right up on the stand. Please do. State your case and why. Oh, I never – I didn't compare Seth and AJ last week. Yeah. Oh, you I said, said Seth I, was better than I, AJ. I, I said Seth better than Finn Balor last week. Oh, yeah. no. That was no, no, no. I, I agree with Nick. We did not I heard do the tapes, this. bro. I heard the tapes. And they, they got on me for not jumping in. I'm, you know, the, I'm, you know I'm not, I need, didn't need to rescue you, but I, but I was about to send you an, a, a card. Out okay, there. so, all right. There is no disagreement on Seth being better than Finn Balor. I don't even think that's close. I mean, I think Finn Balor's really good. Seth Rollins is on another level. Best overall in-ring performer? Worker, worker. Worker. I'm going to go with AJ Styles here. I'm going to go AJ. If if Seth Rollins is a 9.8 and he's close to a 10, AJ Styles is a 9.9. Why do I say that? Because I feel like there's a better chance of AJ Styles not injuring one of the main performers right. on the You're coming back like down Seth to Earth. You did say Seth was better than AJ last week. Maybe it was a slip of the tongue, but you, you, you put it I, back in line. I think it might have been. Now, I'm the one that last week had – it took me a little while to decide between Seth and Finn Balor. I, I was going back and forth on those two. I eventually you know, came with the rest of you guys, and I said, you know what? Yeah, Seth is – 
a better performer than Finn Balor overall right now, but I totally agree with Nick. For me, it's actually between AJ and Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens, you're talking about in-ring performer, on the mic, ability to sell a match and tell a story. This question just in-ring, or is this No, this is just wrestling. So It's right. Oh, it's just wrestling. Okay, so then for me, it's easily AJ Styles. Um, it is, and I think we yeah. can agree Seth is right behind him. You can argue for that third spot if we're going pound for pound best workers. You could like Finn Balor. I would have no problem with that. I might even like a Neville in this spot. I even like, and I know you probably think I'm crazy, TJP works the hell out of that yeah, thing. You know what, but AJ, AJ's, AJ's really the... It's awful, dude. AJ's really the total package because he's not only... He gets creative from match to match. He's able to work with a wide variety of superstars. John Cena's best matches in WWE ever or at least recently are with AJ Styles. Everyone's and best, I like John a Everyone's lot. best match in 2016 is with AJ Styles. Every single guy. Yeah. Roman Reigns, Jericho, every single guy. So he has that. He has the ability. He can tell a really good story. He's the total package of an ingrained competitor. And it really is just a shame that it took him so long to get here. This guy's talking I'm about AJ's you, package. I'm going to give you one more. <laughs> I love AJ's package. It might be the best package of all the packages. Uh, I'm going to throw another hat in the ring here. Brock Lesnar. And I know that he's limited mm. in the sense that, like, he can't do some of the stuff other workers do. But as far you put him out there for a ten minute yeah, match, you're watch. <laughs> there is no one that electrifies more than Brock Lesnar. So I think you you can't talk best in ring performers without mentioning. And Brock. I know that you hate him, but Sami Zayn's in the top five here. And I, I know you're not prepared to hear that the guy oh, works. I don't. And that's I why don't he's hate Sami Zayn. That's why he's, he's a the jobber indie to the stars. I know you he's hate ska music, worker. but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like ska. Music yeah, I, I'm the one that's been critical of Zayn, and I don't hate him. I just have not been given a reason to like him. Now this week, I actually kind of like. Him kind of uh, just going cra- a little too crazy about the star power of the match he was in. This was actually, the, I thought, his best week. Like, I enjoyed that he geeked out that, oh my god, I'm in this awesome six man tag with these two that really was big his real personality that came on the right. And room. that was really cool. So, that was the most I've liked Sammy's in. His character's a loser. And I do, but that's correct. He's a loser character. Uh, this next one comes from this hashtag Lake Show, DMIDI78. Love our guy, DMIDI78. He says, when do, when do you think the NWO and Eric Bischoff will be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Should they be done in the same year? And is it dependent upon when and if the WWE accepts Hulk Hogan back into the family. And he left us with a little close there. Which was Mitty out. Oh, Mitty trying to get himself over on yes, our show. Yes. Look at this. Yes. Mitty going into business for himself. <laughs> Look, this is a great question because the only factions that I can recall, we looked at this really quick, that got in were the Four Horsemen and the Fabulous Freebirds. And when a faction gets in, I like it because it allows somebody who wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame on their own, like Barry Windham. Guys, in 1987 and 88, you can argue that Barry Wilson was the best wrestler in the world both years. Probably not going to get in for the overall package. Got in with the you four horsemen. You can't make that argument. Got, no, not, he when, not when Ric Flair was around. Oh, my God. You go back. At the, at the height he, of his powers. At the, and Ricky Steamboat at the height of his Barry powers. Barry Windham in 87, 88 was as good as any wrestler in the world. It's another side topic we can get into. But my point is it got him in. It gets a guy like Flair in twice, like, like in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Paul McCartney going in with the Beatles, going in separate. I think Bischoff would work best to go in with the NWO because, look, he brought it to America. Launching the NWO was the reason we had the Monday Night Wars, the reason we had the, the best time in the history of the business. The real key part of this question, though, is the Hogan element because I didn't think of it, but Hogan's already in the Hall of Fame as Ketchup and Mustard Hogan. But this would be the maybe the good time to soft bring him back to the to the to the family, so to speak. Bring in the NWO, so then you get to grandfather and Bischoff, because you can argue he could he was deserving on his own he around that. He needs to go but, in solo. But he can go in on there. Hall and Nash can get in a second time. I don't know. The, the big question is how deep down the NWO roster would you allow to go in with it? I mean, Waltman kind of just hurt just himself. The, just the three. Sean Waltman getting, getting the meth arrest at, at the well, airport Wal- hurt himself. Waltman but. can get in with DX whenever they do that. I mean, he, he will get in with them. 
I mean, we're not with Conan's not getting in, you know, no. Scott well, Norton's Stevie not Ray's getting in. not getting in, et cetera. No, right. at the end, it, it's, it's Hogan Hall and Nash. That's but the end. If you all. use that as a facade to allow Hulk to come back and they can get in on his two characters and no one, no one had a better second act in pro wrestling history in terms of re- turning their character in another direction and reviving it than Hulk Hogan. You got to get both of those characters in. This would allow you to. So do. I agree with that. I actually did a little Hall of Fame research. I wanted to look at where everyone stands individually right now. So Hall is in the, in the uh, Hall of Fame as Razor Ramon, not as Scott Hall. Exactly. Kevin Nash is in the Hall of Fame as Kevin Nash. Hulk Hogan obviously was inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's not currently listed on the website for obvious reasons. So you would have to not just reinstate his initial one. You're then bringing him back with the NWO. So that's where they stand right now. For me with Bischoff, I when you looked at the Hall of Fame roster, I don't disagree that he's had an incredible impact on, on the industry. Nitro, the NW. Let's hear this crappy butt no, no, that's no. coming up here. No, no, no. There's it. no butt. There's no butt. It's just that he's not as a sh- much of a sure thing on his own yes. as he would be with the NWO. That's horrific. The NWO is the reason why Nitro was so great and Hulk Hogan coming back, bringing all these guys. So for me, that's the catapult to get him in. And if you're going to induct him on his own, that would be the biggest reason he would be in on his own. So for me, the NWO is the perfect way to get him in with the other guys, get, bring Hogan back, like you said. He also asked, when do we think it's going to happen? That you, I don't think you addressed. I don't think it's for another two years at a minimum. I don't think they're ready to bring Hogan back. Well, I thought they, we were they get the Hogan, Hogan thing's got it. I know you, you thought Hogan was yeah. going to be back this year. I, I personally, I disagreed with that, as you know, because we talked about it. I think this needs to sit for a while. Yeah. The Hogan thing. Needs, Let it needs, simmer. Needs, Let it needs simmer. To simmer. Can I, can I bring up the Bischoff part here? Yeah, yeah go. go for it. Eric Bischoff should be in the Hall of Fame, and he should go in on his own. Because without Eric Bischoff, there is no Monday Night War. And without Eric Bischoff, there's no heel Vince McMahon, and there's no Austin versus Mr. McMahon, right? Because Eric Bischoff did it first. And for people that don't remember, right, the the genesis of the NWO, Scott Hall shows up on a random Monday Nitro after leaving. This is before the internet, really, right? So I remember watching 12, 13 years old and seeing Razor Ramon on Nitro and being like, this is the coolest thing of all time. And in then, the, in and the then, Canadian tuxedo yes. sleeveless. And then Diesel <laughs> shows up the next week. And remember, Bischoff is an announcer at that point, and you don't know that he's actually working behind the scenes as well. Nash power bombs Bischoff through a table at the oh, Great yeah. American Bash or one of those pay per views in '96. Great balls of before, Bash. Yes, great balls <laughs> before turning heel, right? So then Bischoff, before Vince becomes heel, Vince, Mister McMahon, Bischoff turns heel and joins the NWO. Bischoff was the one that had to talk Hulk Hogan into turning heel. Without Bischoff, there's no NWO. Without Bischoff, there's no Austin versus McMahon. Without Eric Bischoff, wrestling as we know it is dramatically different and maybe doesn't take the path that it does. Oh, hot take. He's a seminal figure in the history of this industry, and he absolutely deserves. And he to go got the second on base merits. on camera with Linda McMahon, and that's not too many guys have been able to do that, or or would want to. I thought I feel like he did that with Stephanie too, didn't he? Wasn't there well, something going on there? At some that point? was an era where Vince was like, we're, "I'll prostitute my family on the screen oh, as, as much as I need." To. I just want to clarify: I don't, I don't disagree with Nick on Bischoff's importance, but a lot of the genesis of that is the NWO. So that's but all he I'm created it, right? So he goes in with them. He doesn't necessarily. Need to but be his accomplishments are greater than just the NWO. I agree. Fine. Let's slide uh, on. Although he it. did like to put himself over quite a bit. Oh yeah. Well, you got it. You got. You know, you got. You got to have that little little edge and chip to yourself. We're sliding on to Adam here from Omar Alarichid. Sorry if I butchered that. At you Omar did. underscore Alarichid. Alarichid. Yeah. My man, Omar. Yeah. 
Hey, guys, we the, the DMs are open. Keep sliding in, even if I can't say your name. Adam, what do you think of adding secondary titles to NXT and 205 Live? Maybe add a TV title to NXT like the old WCW days. Omar says this because outside of the three main event guys on each brand, he believes nobody has anything to do. So the TV title on NXT I could get down for. But they need to build that roster up. They've just, there's too many guys have been taken out of there and there's, there's too many tag teams that they would need to split a couple people up and kind of do it that way. So I'm down for that TV title. I think it's smart. It's a way, like I said, they, there's many episodes of NXT where the champions don't show up or they're only in a backstage segment. So I'm okay with that. Um, regarding 205 Live, there, there doesn't need to be another title. 205 Live, I mean, I would cancel it. And I don't okay. say that because I don't like oh, the, come on. I'm not saying it because I don't like the workers. I'm not saying it because I don't like the action. I hate the seg, the segregation of the purple title and the purple show and the ring ropes well, and all this stuff. They have a network. Stuff. They need content. Yeah. You just, just factor it into Raw and do something else. But 205 Live, 205 Live, as it exists now, you can't get me to watch it and adding a title is not going to get me to watch it. I like the idea of adding a secondary title to NXT. I don't think 205 Live, because what it's going to do, what would you call it? Like, like there's a cruiserweight championship. It's a cruiserweight What I really like about not doing it, though, is because it forces NXT to book actual storylines that have a hook. And that's always my problem with WWE, that outside of the top two or three most important, there's not enough attention to detail. Again, that term to, like, why are these two guys fighting? What started this feud? Why do I care? Give us a reason, as always, in NXT, why only having one title... On the you know on the men's side, let's say everyone else, there's more creativity is needed. So I'm down for more creativity. Yeah, no, it's I agree. It's it's about being creative on NXT. They've done a really good job to this point, and if they think they can add a little tweak to it, then that would be great. Uh, next DM comes from Billy Habibi. Uh, he's sliding into them DMs, guys. He's very excited about it. He wants to know if a Carmella's worth, so that's Carmella and James Ellsworth, just to clarify for everyone, Tamina Love Triangle would actually make the lame welcoming committee somewhat entertaining because right now we all know it's not. He's thinking something along the lines of Santino and Beth Phoenix crossed with like a Harvey Wimpleman and Bertha Faye. Nick, what do you think about that? I'd like to go home tonight and have (laughs) Trish Stratus be waiting for me in my apartment. I mean, I I respect Billy here because he really wants this to be good. You can't make it good, though, because it's garbage. The welcoming committee sucks. I mean, it's it's horrific. We talked about this last week. Natalia is not the front woman for a stable. She's not good enough on the microphone. She doesn't connect well enough with the audience. It's a disaster. And you want to talk about stuff that makes no sense. Why are they all together? What sense does it make you've got Carmella doesn't say anything Ellsworth I, why is James Ellsworth on the like why, why is, is your there? three best women in that division now teaming up in a six-man tag on a pay-per-view Charlotte Naomi and Becky Lynch why uh, and here's like okay the welcoming committee sucks right so you can't make them but better I, so Billy you can't you know no, there's nothing that you can do to make them the better. 44 really wants to talk about the love triangle with Tamina that's why I wanted you to well, answer but, this but, question. No, but like why but like why though like like who would be interested in that I want to know who's 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 sliding up that snooker tree that's <laughs> And here's the other thing. Which if you're one? James and if you're James Elwes, like, why would you choose Tamina over Carmella? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just, it doesn't make any Maybe sense. Maybe Billy has a progressive idea involving Carmella and, uh, and Tamina. I'll I mean. tell you what. You give me some HLA, I think that would be the only thing that could get me into the welcoming committee would be HLA. This doesn't interest me, but I do respect Billy for the Bertha Faye reference. That's all I'm going to say. And the Harvey Whippleman And the Harvey Whippleman pretty Whippleman good, reference. too. You can't save the welcoming committee, Billy, but right, I We're going to slide out of these DMs, guys. Moving forward, everyone listening, the DMs are open, so keep bringing them. New segment this week. I really want to do the State of the Union 
WWE essentially pressed pause this week. So there's, it allows us to sort of get out of the day to day storylines and sort of look big picture moving forward. Good time to sort of take stock of where we are as a product for what's left of 2017, four months in. Adam, kick us off. Brian, I want to know who is your MVP just for the first, what are we, four months in of 2017? I love this question because I love when you treat WWE like a real sport and use sort of the, the things that we use in other sports to set up it and just decide who's the best, who's who's improving, all of that great stuff. I mean, last year, undoubtedly, it was AJ Styles' MVP year. The year before that, Seth Rollins went almost wire to wire with the championship. He was the MVP. This year, it's a little bit more wide open through four months. You can very easily point to AJ or Roman. I would have no arguments with that. But I got to go with Adam's guy, and Kevin Owens, and say, from the turn of the year through WrestleMania and now, and now as the face of SmackDown, now putting in good time on Talking Smack as the face, Kevin Owens on the mic, in the ring, is your number one pound-for-pound guy slightly ahead of AJ and from an MVP sense of who's giving you the most storylines and all that, it's Kevin Owens. I actually agree wholeheartedly. It's, I was going to go with Kevin Owens as well. Yeah, it's a three-way, and it's coming from a uh, – even though we all know he's a main eventer, he's doing this from a mid-card spot. And WWE obviously needs to recognize that, and hopefully they do it. Oh, they know. Yeah, and, and hopefully they do. And he said as that we, on SmackDown that it's some that once he's done with AJ Styles, he wants to he wants the belt. The sure, and the question, but then the question is, okay, so does he end up dropping the belt to AJ Styles, who's then thrust into the mid card when he should also be a main eventer? I think you'll end up getting a triple threat match at SummerSlam for the belt. Well, with a, with, with Orton, uh, Styles, good, good and time and, for you to bring uh, that up. Uh, next up, Adam here. Three months away from SummerSlam here, which is obviously WWE treats it as probably the second biggest show of the year. Royal Rumble's probably third. Survivor Series is fourth. So that's their next big one coming up here. What's going to be the main event of SummerSlam, and what do you think it should be? So two separate questions here. What do you think WWE is going to book it as, and what would you book it so as? So I'm going to get to that, but I want to hear you finish what you were just saying, the triple threat match. Well, that's what I think you'll see at SummerSlam. I think that'll be the SmackDown main event. I think that's sort of what they're building to here. There's no way Jinder's going to go over Orton. They're setting – I don't think that Styles can be in the mid-card. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't think that Kevin Owens can be in the mid-card either. So maybe I think that what you'll see at SummerSlam is a triple threat match for the SmackDown Championship with okay. those three guys. I feel like we're by the pool. Where's Patterson, I like right? that. I like that a lot. I, I'm running away if Pat Patterson's by the pool with me. So I'm, I'm cheating. Running. I'm cheating a little bit here because my who do I think will be and who do I want? It's actually the same answer. They need to have that gap in time, like I was mentioning earlier, between the Lesnar reigns that we all expect for WrestleMania, and I don't expect it to be Lesnar Strowman then because I think that's going to happen at Great Balls of Fire or at some other point. So I actually think you're going to see the David Goliath Brock Lesnar Seth Rollins match that. We've all kind of wanted for a long time. I think you're going to have hit Rollins go over Samoa Joe so he gets a win over a monster, and then he starts building towards that Lesnar match. So that's the match I want, and that's the match I think they're actually going to book. What I think they will do is I think there's no question from how I'm reading the tea leaves is that Finn Balor will be in the main event at SummerSlam because mm. I think last SummerSlam – he, you know, he wasn't the main event because Brock was the bigger guy and they really wanted to push him in the main event there. But I think that was the main event match on the card when you looked at it. They were obviously pushing Finn big time. Nobody on their first or second week in the company goes over Roman Reigns clean. Nobody, guys. And he did that. He's come back a little bit of a soft launch, but obviously he keeps saying the two words, Brock Lesnar. Anytime they put a microphone in front of him, I think Brock Lesnar and Finn is what they will do. I would have no problem with that. What they should do is I actually think you've been booking – Braun Strowman's so good and with such violence and such creative spots to use different things. If you do Brock and Brom and Brom, Braun Strowman in the main event, and even if he didn't have the belt, I mean, last year Randy Orton and Brock was like a special attraction in the main event. 
and you just sell the violence of what that can be and you really build toward that, that's what I would pick in book because I think a lot of people would, would be like, I don't even follow wrestling anymore, but these guys hardway each other every week and they break holes through walls. I got to see this. Would a triple threat match with Reigns, Strowman, and Lesnar be entertaining? Yeah, 100%. Oh, heck yeah. When could they do that? Because that, I mean, is that something you do maybe at Royal Rumble? Like, or you have to well, get that, two of those guys in the match. It's a good SummerSlam that's, idea. That's down the, that's a little for, for Royal Rumble, but I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that if that's the SummerSlam main event. The only had, wild card I have in the SummerSlam main event talk is women-wise, if you keep Book and Bliss so good, and I think I, we teased this at one previous episode, and you do two champions against each other. You do Bliss against, against Charlotte. Charlotte Flair, both with a belt. You don't have to set it up where one person wins both belts. You can just set it up where we want to find out who's the best women in the world because Bliss has been making a run. I could get behind that and even get behind that as a, as an actual main event. Uh, no. Not as a, the actual main event. are you, nuts? Is the, and the main event of hey, SummerSlam is going to be Charlotte Women are allowed Alexa to vote these days. I mean, you might as well get <laughs> it. It's, it's nothing to do with not being progressive. I mean, it would die a slow death out there. Uh, with you on David Goliath, but disagree on who it'll be. I'm with you. I think it's going to be Brock against Balor, and I think that's going to be awesome. And remember, we did see Brock Rollins, but it was when Rollins was a heel and he was winning in, in chicken you-know-what fashion, and he won that match because Undertaker came back, kicked him low, Rollins goes over. I think it'll be Brock and Balor. That's a good point, and to give credence to both your thoughts here, Brian, we were talking about this yesterday. Finn Balor has won 92% of his matches on the WWE main roster. Who has he lost to? I can't think. When did he lose? I, I can't even remember, but... He 90, lost to a buckle bomb. In terms of he lost some of his career to the buckle bomb, but so so ninety two percent, and that is extraordinary. So if you're talking you're about Seth Green, but not ninety two percent, it's crazy. So if you're talking about them pushing someone to be a main eventer at SummerSlam, I I like my match better. It's, I want to see it more, but I understand that being more likely, and I think it's very possible. And it's more David Goliath because Balor's smaller. He is State of the Union number three. Nick, I gotta hear your thoughts on this. Let's say you've been made acting WWE general manager for a day, a lifelong dream. And Triple H, in light of this Jinder Mahal move to the main event and the success of elevating a Gilbert to the top level, ask you to choose another underused superstar to reimagine his or her character for a title run. Not necessarily to win it, but into, into the main event level. You got creative control. Who are you pushing and how? I've got two names for you. And then I want to come back before we move on to our next one here. I don't want to come back down from this club. And I, and I it's wanna... taken me all this time, right? Bush, right? 1997? Great, great about. song by, but it's one of my favorite great time songs. Great Gl- my life. Glycerin probably better than that yeah. song, but I'm a huge Bush that fan. That guy slayed been, chicks. Slayed Evan them. Russell, he's married to Gwen Stefani slayed for a long them. time, and she's obviously super hot even still now. But I want to come back to something before we move on, but I'll give you two names here. Number one, Luke Harper. I think Luke Harper should get a run at one of the mid-card titles on SmackDown. And by one of them, I mean the United States Championship. I hated what they did with him on SmackDown, having Rowan go over. Like, oh Rowan's got God. the mask. Like, it's just, it's so hokey and so stupid. Harper's actually a good worker. We need he's to in find, shape. And he's in great shape. We need to find out if he can talk. The one thing that Harper's got going for him, the fans are behind him organically. Like, WWE has not really given the fans a reason to get behind him. But the guy still gets a huge ovation when he comes out. Do something with Luke Luke Harper, he's big, he's got the look, he can move. I think Luke Harper deserves to get some sort of run. And I'm going to give you another name here, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I think they should do for him. And this spawned by a tweet that I saw Chris Jericho send out recently, when Jericho was talking about our, our conversation, right, some of his best runs in his career. He mentioned his run as tag team champion 
with Big Show when they were Jericho. And you remember after Jericho, and Jericho was great, when they did Show Miz. Oh, yeah. I think they should bring Big Show back and put him with the Miz and Maurice. And have oh, big, no. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I and mean, have Big Show. It, but big Show. I do mean it. Big Show as the They were a sensational comedy act, right? And if you put Big Show as Miz's muscle with Maurice, you could do Maurice not liking Big Show, but Miz wants to keep him around because he's the muscle. I don't think you push Big Show for a championship, but I think he's underutilized right now. He can definitely bring something to the table. He's in good shape, and I think that if you put him with the Miz, I think that's an act that would really work. So those would be my my two guys. You could also add to that, like, Miz promises Big Show, like, some really big Hollywood stuff, knowing it's the last year of his career. Has Big Show ever been in a movie? Yeah. S- seriously. He was in the one with the bus, right? Like, so then he, he, a, come on, he, he, he could be a movie the, star, Big Show. He was show. Captain Insano in The Waterboy, And he bro. was Captain Insano. I'd never seen The Waterboy. Oh, my God. God. Yeah, I stopped That's Adam Sandler movies. But, really the devil. What you do is you play up legitimately that it's the last year of Big Show's career on his contract. You have him do exactly what you said. And then you give him his WrestleMania moment. He turns on him. They fight at WrestleMania. Show walks off to the sunset. Uh, what I'm upset about is he stole my Luke Harper because that was my pick. I've been saying it for weeks that WWE does a really bad job when they split up the Wyatt family of not repackaging these guys. Luke Harper is so athletic. When does a guy that big dive out of the ring and make it look effortless? He's great. He's good. And not you, since The Undertaker. And you know what? He, they haven't given him a lot of time on the mic, but he has had some in some backstage vignettes and things like that, and he's been perfectly fine. So I'm curious. Shave the beard. I, no, what, he's got to keep the beard. What I said I wanted to do with him was kind of like make him a Kevin Nash in that he has that type of ability. So book him in, such, in a strong way. Have him go head-to-head with Bray in a, in a Survivor Series, a cross-brand match. Get one over. He never should ever lose to Eric Rowan or anything like that. But but it is Luke Harper, the one that they have to build up. He is a, If they made him a main eventer against Randy Orton, because they kind of teased it a little bit of him being a number one contender – Instead of gender, I would be popping huge for that right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of gave away my answer a week ago in a different question talking about putting Big E solo. I think there's right. so much he can do. One thing I love though is is when you go to the to the finely tailored suit look. It's working for Jinder Mahal right now. It worked for the Four Horsemen in the '80s. It just ups the ante. It reminds me of Evolution. It didn't work it, for Cesaro, but it yeah. ups the ante when Samoa Joe comes out. And he's giving you those vicious real life t- promos where he's talking junk to you that would be real life junk you would talk if somebody in the office stole your girlfriend and you got to take him out in the, in the, in the green room, you know, when no one's looking. I mean, where we're sitting right now, where, where it may have happened. And that I want to see. That has not happened, by the way, just so everybody knows. I just throw out there. Yeah. I want to see not only him continue that look, but the guy I want to see elevate is Rusev, who obviously. I like they that. don't misuse, they just don't use enough. He's really And good. I think that he's evolved past the Bulgarian weightlifter gimmick, obviously. You get him, he's got the shorter haircut now. You get him in suits more often. You put Lana, obviously, great eye candy, eye candy by his side. That might have actually, team, that might have been the best part was Lana's vignette with her dancing on the chair. That might have been the best thing this week. you team Joe and Rusev together after Joe's done with, with, with his current feud. So and you move make Joe them to SmackDown? A, it's, it'll, this is a little bit more down the road. Okay. You make them a dominant tag team that holds the belt for a long time and, 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 is, and he's just mean and vicious and wears suits. And the reason why I say hold the belt, cause nobody holds the belt for a long time anymore and that takes away the prestige of the title but when people do like CM Punk for a full year the belt matters again like Seth Rollins for almost a full year with the team of J&J around them people helping him win the belt matters again let the tag team belts matter again. They did for the New Day, obviously, because they held them for over a year and it mattered. Do that again with Joe and Rusev together. My, I'm, it's feel spot activated. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fired up for that. I, I feel like you just like men in suits. I feel like that was my that was <laughs> my, 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 my yeah, I, mean, um, I, I want to move on to the last one here, but one thing that I want to bring up. 
Um, dude, Brian, gender sucks. Yep. So he flubbed that opening, and it was like whatever. There was a lot of air left in the blue, and I was like, okay, he's been going in the wrong direction the week before. I like him trying to but save. When he save opened, you can't, you right can't save him because he's, he's bad. When they when they threw the lob to him to open, you know, SmackDown, he comes out and he had that chance to give that promo. He looked good in the suit. He too. looked Forest great. Green the Singh brothers look good in the dress shirts behind him. He was ready to give it, and then he flubs the line. And I'm thinking right back to Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. If you actually think, I mean, right back to the great flubs and great history. This won't go down as a great flub, but it took all of the air out of the gender balloon. There's no air. And he did not recover. Guys, he should have freestyled and just kept going. Because the line was... Do you know why didn't... he didn't? Because he's not good. Well, he's, the, right. he's not good. You're right. And the line was... The line should have been, I didn't steal it, I took it. He comes out and said, I, I took it. And it's like... Dude, just just keep going. And he's sloppy in the ring. Watch the finish his of the match. His sucks. It, but it's not just that. It's it's it doesn't have a name. It's the Cobra Cut. Watch. Go back and watch it when he performed it on Orton. He's sloppy. He, he's not good. He got rushed into the spot. We I said it at the very beginning. The Cobra Clutch Slam. I like the move, but it takes him an hour to connect the arm. It's, it does and then nothing. Do it. It's there's, a choke slam. Who cares? There's there's absolutely no power to it. And the only time Jinder was ever good on the mic was when he was screaming outside the limb, and he wasn't. Even on the mic screaming outside the limo that whole thing where he was yelling and really really upset he was completely monotone on tuesday yeah didn't buy, didn't buy a single thing he was saying i don't like the way they're billing him what does maharaja mean like are they ever the, going to explain that yeah they've never explained I, that i don't mind i guess that. we're supposed I to know mean, but you it's could terrible. cover his in-ring issues by making him be vile and dirty and use foreign objects again i'd love if every week he pulled something different out of his trunk so you want to like, cover the in-ring issues with that how do you cover the mic and how do you cover the fact that the guy just he's which, not a main event well, he look, lacks we know charisma. he's not a main event we know that but it was but he's in the main event but we know that it was one giving somebody a chance who's working hard and two taking a chance on the indian market uh, in india that's that's fine but our point now is that for any enthusiasm I had the first few weeks that it was something new, he's not living up to his end of the bar. I want a four-minute match with an RKO out of nowhere over. Like, I want it to, like, the open backlash. It shouldn't main event backlash. It's going to. You know I want I it want? to open the show four-minute. Th- I want it to be shorter than the Seamus-Daniel Bryan. Uh, was that well, a that WrestleMania was like, match? That was, like, yeah, was the opening it's match. Eight-second match. That's what I want to see. I want to see. fix this, guys. Give him a short run, a one-day title run. Let 3MB help him cheat and win it. Yo, and then you restart. They, then you yes. lose the belt and restart that. In the all right, yo, if, if Slater all right? and Drew McIntyre come out, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm all With in With the Bollywood all. boys on bass and drums? Come on. You if, know? if three-man band comes out, I- I'm in here. Uh, last one here for State of the Union. I love this question here. Bri, out of the guys on the roster right now, which program that WWE has not yet activated here do you think has got the potential to move the most product, do the most business, I fear money. we'll have the same answer because there's one answer here yeah. that, that makes the most sense that matters. It's Roman Reigns and John Cena. But I don't think you need to do the Reigns heel turn officially to activate this and make this a WrestleMania pay-per-view main event and make this a gigantic feud. you got to get personal like you did with Cena and Miz. And I think that Reigns is edgy enough and does enough heel things on his own as a face where you do face versus face and let them both act like heels. Who would the crowd cheer it's for? It's money. That's what would happen. It would be 50-50. I'm asking you. Cena. It would not be 50-50. The crowd would cheer for Cena. They would cheer for Cena. Absolutely. Depends on how well you have handled Reigns leading into that. I think No, because the, the crowd, it's different. I think the, the crowd respect. I don't know that the crowd respects Reigns. Like, even the people that boo Cena, I think, respect Cena. I don't know that people respect Roman Reigns. Well, anyway, that's money. There's piles of money sitting inside the basement of Titan Towers that they just have to take out, put it inside the ring, and book these two together. Obviously, though, you have time. Cena's not done yet. This can be the WrestleMania main event in two years for all we know. It's fine. I, you Actually, 
like I've been racking my brain, you actually can't give a better answer than the one that you gave. Like that's actually the only one that you could have given potentially, and he's gone now, would have been Cena Undertaker at WrestleMania. But, and the only way you make more money from this, obviously, is having a Cena heel turn in like five years when he's a little bit past his prime on the way out. Then you then you make even more money if you wanted to wait until then. But it, Yeah, no, this is the right answer. I wasn't initially thinking of it from – a money perspective and, and selling. So the few that I most want to see that I think they could run for six months, give it a Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt seven month run where it just builds and builds and builds is AJ Styles, Kevin Owens. Cause I love them together and I think they would be great. That's how I initially thought of the question. So if, if it's the few that I most want to see and the one I think could main event to WrestleMania out of younger guys that are there that would be really solid, that's the one. But in terms of a money feud, there's no question it's Reigns. Uh, and I and still think, Cena. obviously, Reigns and Lesnar can still do more. If they if they commit like six months to it, nine months to it, you, in a lot of creativity, the star power, the potential for violence, they, here's, they here's mesh the so well together. Here's the issue with that. The WrestleMania 31 main event was really good. So better than it had. Show. Which so was, was the which, whole damn it, show, it was. right? And, and that, that card better than it had any right to be. The Reigns-Lesnar match, even before Rollins came out, was very good. Very good. So what's the story that you're telling then the next time? Because the story of that match was Brock beats the hell out of Roman Reigns. Reigns refuses to give in. Rollins comes out. Rollins steals the belt, right? So what's the story next time then? Is it – because the story has to be Brock's the monster, right? Yeah, unless unless, unless Reigns is the one that, that hands it to Brock because they've already done that once before. You have to care so much about cheering for the babyface, and you have to make Brock as vile as possible. And the way you do that is implement family. And Roman has enough family already on the roster or close to the roster that you have. I'm not saying Brock has to take out Nia Jax and knock her up and not call her the next morning, mm. but he may have to take out the Usos and destroy yeah. them. Leaving Sable for Nia Jax would be interesting. And destroy <laughs> them. All I'm saying is you have a great feud is when you implement some. Somebody, a connection to something in real life that could like happen that they would did care with about. And his exactly, kid. that's when it matters. When even when Randy Orton taking out John Cena's dad, that kind of stuff, it matters. It makes you go, "Oh, I know why they're feuding." It's not just I think I'm better than you. Who cares? Don't forget also, they never did find a winner in that match, and they're the only two to beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. And that's what that's what the Hulk will be heading into next year's WrestleMania. Our final segment, guys, you know I love to get right down in that feel spot because I love to connect back with that true wrestling fan of myself. This week, there just weren't a lot of feel spot moments out there. We spent the last hour plus crapping on the product this week, rightfully so. I want to go right in the feel spot all-time edition. Very simple question, guys. Going back to why you became a fan in the first place. We all got 20, 30 years as a wrestling fan. Maybe more. I don't even know how old you are. Whatever. We got time put in, time spent. What's your favorite angle of all time and why? I'm going to start it off, and it's a very brief and easy answer. It's the Mega Powers Explode, the build from WrestleMania 4 and 88 that culminated in WrestleMania 5 and 89, back when the big angles took one year to culminate. And the reason why this works so much, not just because it's Hogan and Savage, which is automatically going to work, but it had a very interesting storyline that was real life. And even me back then as a 9- or 10-year-old, whatever – I understand that there was more going on here than they were telling us, right? Like Liz was in the middle without them actually telling you she was in the middle. Savage was not only jealous of Hogan when they were tag team getting the spotlight, but he was jealous of Hogan always running back and lifting Liz up and rescuing her when she needed. I hate him, man. And there was something even as like a nine-year-old where I knew, is Hulk, is Hulk not being a good guy? Is he, 
Is he sliding into somebody else's DM? Is he tasting the, the, I mean, is he, is he, is he, I don't, I gotta, I gotta end that analogy. What, he's, t- he's tasting <laughs> yeah, nothing. Once you started he's with tasting, tasting yeah, nothing. You were, you were down the wrong track. <laughs> is, is he doing something that he shouldn't do? And anytime you do the best friend angle and then one turning on the other, it works. Guys, Hogan Orndorff in 86 was one of the great feuds of all time, of my time, of anybody's time. It only Main didn't have. The first WrestleMania. And it only match. didn't have a solo match for main eventing WrestleMania 2 because Orndorff got hurt. And it really should have been because the story was so good. You mean you didn't like Hogan versus King Kong Bundy oh in the God. same page? This was the connection to you, the explosion, when they were a tag team, it ruled, when they went against each other, and then this might have been Hogan's best match. Hey. It really might have been. I love that match at WrestleMania it's 5. It's, it, Savage got the best of him. The mega powers exposed will always be real. No, listen, I, I hate Hulk Hogan. I really do. Um, well, well, Hogan was well, not the on. good guy in that feud. He I, I, I'm not talking about anything real life. I'm talking about the character Hulk Hogan. Well, first of all, Hogan, then how dare you, first of all. Hogan, <laughs> Hogan was the bad guy there. He was. He like, was. Like, Hogan... Wouldn't let Savage get his moment at the end of WrestleMania 4, right? Oh, he cheated for him. At the, that, at, that was at the, the great final of the tournament, it's Savage against DiBiase, Hogan and, and, and Andre do the double count out, right? Or the squad, whatever it is. Yeah. Hogan, and Savage wins the belt, and Hogan runs into the ring and gives him the belt and celebrates with him. Get the hell out of there and let Randy have his moment. Exactly. And Elizabeth was Savage's girl. Of course, like, if this were a real-life situation, none of, let's say, like, we were all friends of both of them, no one would have had Hogan's back. Everyone would have wanted Savage to put him in his place and beat the crap out yeah, of him. Yeah, because it was Hogan and he was a, he was almost like, there was a, there was a religious angle in him telling you to say your prayers. He was like a god. Because of that, there was still a lot of fans who either couldn't he see that. He wanted Savage's girl, but, but either Elizabeth could, was Savage's but girl. But either couldn't see that or at least were willing to overlook it because it's Hulk Hogan. He would never do bad. But yet, if you were mature enough, you could pick up that something's going on there. And you're right. In retrospect, he was banging Liz. I mean, come on. Or at least they were teasing that he was, like, like, think about it. You're a man listening to this podcast, right? And you were, if they were Real people and that situation was going on. No one would have Hulk Hogan's back. <laughs> Everyone would have had Savage's back. The mega power. Yeah, obviously Savage had to lose because Savage was the bad guy and Hogan was the good guy. And then they built up to Hogan Warrior at WrestleMania six. And I would say actually that might be Hogan's best match was Hogan Warrior at WrestleMania six. But I, that's that was by always my point of contention with that feud was that Hogan that's what was made actually it work. the bad guy. And that's what made it work. And the fact that you had about – because it took a year to build and get through, you had like 25 separate times where they would have a match together as a tag team and then Randy would just make a weird face to him. And the announcers wouldn't even say anything. But if you're a fan who's so dialed in, you're like, something's happening I just here. wanted Randy to And now as an educated fan, you would, you would be able to sniff that out. But as a nine-year-old even, you're like, something's happening here. I'm telling you, stay tuned, Joey Bag of Donuts, the, the producer on the side. Something's going to happen here I'm, uh, what do you got for me you know my feel spot is not nearly as far back wrestlemania 12 and the lead up to it so for me Shawn michaels gets a concussion all is considering retirement brings back jose lothario his mexican <laughs> trainer comes back this is in already the worst answer <laughs> no, that's I love ever it. been given to anything i love it jose nope. lothario is referencing brings, the feel spot <laughs> brings in jose lothario <laughs> builds builds to an epic match with bret hart at wrestlemania 12 the boyhood I- dream is iron iron man match boyhood dream God. match goes into sudden death because they don't get a single fall in the 60 minutes i marked the f out for Shawn Michaels winning his first WWE, you were like title. that kid crying at seven when when Liz and and, 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 and Savage with the glasses. The that was seven. you, yeah. It was that was the moment I was like, well, I am a massive wrestling fan. That's right actually the single most overrated match in the history. of It might of the sport. be. It would work back then, right? But you're it, talking it, it, about feel spot, not qu- best match of all point. time. Good point. I'm looking at my age, where I was as a wrestling fan. My, I really like Shawn Michaels. 
it all, they built it up with, oh man, this guy almost retired and he's, but he's never won a title and now his manager's coming in. In that spot, that age with everything, that's feel the spot activated. I can respect and that. And that was actually the genesis also of Bret Hart's eventual heel turn, which carried WWF at the time, WWF through 1990, the end of, well, what, when he feuded with Austin and then the heel turn at WrestleMania 13 and through all of 1997 with Canada versus USA. So that was a good moment. Um, I think the match was actually very overrated. I'm going to go to Survivor Series 1998 as mine. And this is uh, an interesting pay-per-view because if you actually go back and watch Survivor Series 98, which is called Deadly Game, that was the, the surname for it, um, it's actually a really bad pay-per-view in terms of in-ring action. So to set the story, I blame line, the Godwins. That was their era. You could blame Phineas and Henry for that, certainly. <laughs> so man, Vince loves hillbillies. So anyway, so I'm going to set the stage for this, right? If you remember, this is at the height of the Austin um, Mr. McMahon feud, right? So Austin had beaten Michaels at WrestleMania 14 in 1998. So Austin is in a triple threat match with Kane and Undertaker, who team who join forces to to take Austin down at. Mr. McMahon's behest. They both pin Austin at the same time at a pay-per-view. So instead of giving the title to one of them, they hold the title up and they have a tournament for the championship at Survivor Series 1998. So one of the stories that they had been telling, right, was the schism between Vince and Shane McMahon. So Shane is a face now on the side of Austin. You also have The Rock here as a red-hot face at this point. So you have on one side of the bracket, face Rock. On the other side of the bracket, face Austin. And the corporate puppet at that time, if you remember, was Mankind, Mick Foley. Are so, you watching his feel spot out of oh, just grow? It's, it's just getting, it's just... Okay, so again, I urge you, if you've never seen this and you're listening, to watch Survivor Series 98. Not for the wrestling. The in-ring wrestling is horrendous on the show. But the stories that they tell... I'm getting goosebumps right now in the chills as I'm telling this. <laughs> so they have Austin versus Foley in the semifinal, right? The Stooges come out. Briscoe and Patterson come out to try and interfere in the match. Austin hits Foley with the stunner, goes to pin him. There's no referee. Shane McMahon runs out in the referee yes. shirt. The crowd goes absolutely ballistic. Shane jumps into the ring, counts one, counts two, goes to count three, stops. The camera zooms in on <laughs> Shane's face. Shane looks at Austin and gives him the double middle uh, finger. That's, that, that double turn is so... And turns in uh. that in that moment. Shane turns. They hit Austin with the chair. Foley beats him to move on to the finals. Now, I remember me at that point. I was 15. I loved heels. And I marked out when that happened. That wasn't even the best moment of the show, though. That came in the main event. Now, in the main event, the final match for the championship, you've got face rock against Foley. And you think, obviously... Rock is going to win. And at the end of the match, they set it up where both Vince and Rock turn on Foley. They turn Foley face. Rock becomes the corporate champion. That's uh, how Austin comes out and brawls with Rock at the end of the show, setting up the Rock-Austin program for the belt. So you had multiple turns um, in the same last hour of that show that really I remember seeing and being done with that and thinking – this was the best night of, so of sports entertainment I've ever seen. So it's the attention to detail to set up the multiple, multiple, you know, teases of 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 what might happen, and then, like you said, then you leave that show knowing what's coming next. Correct. And you're exciting about it because Foley's now a face, and you know you're going to get face Foley the <sighs> next night on Raw. You've got heel Rock, who's obviously tremendous, and now you've got a heel Rock opponent once again for Austin, and that, and that led up to their main event match at WrestleMania 15 when Austin was And the over. peak moment of that is Shane double-crossing him, just like the peak moment of my thing is is Savage finally snapping and attacking Hogan backstage with the hospital gurney there. I mean, those type of moments when it finally tips and turns, the, it's, the, it's... Does WWE have 
any creativity left to do anything like that again. Absolutely. Because I think that you see them do really cool stuff all the time. I think maybe – That detailed and that much of a – it gets you twice in one show within um, an hour of each other? Well, I always say – and like we talked about this before we went to WrestleMania together this year, right? I always look at when I go to a big event, when I'm either there or when you're watching. I want to mark out like once or twice at a big show. If you can make me lose myself in the moment like I did twice that night, Survivor Series 98 – I think that's really what you remember. And sometimes it's a moment in a match where Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania 28, Triple H Undertaker, when Michaels super kicks Undertaker, Triple H pedigrees Undertaker, and then Undertaker kicks out in that moment when you're thinking, oh, my God, the streak's about to end. He kicks out, and then I'm laughing because I'm like, this is so good. And he's never going to lose. And sometimes it's something in a storyline where at the end of the Reigns-Lesnar match at WrestleMania 31, Rollins' music hits, and he runs out with the briefcase, and you completely lose it because you know what's coming next. They have the ability to reach – that Shakespearean level from time to time. It doesn't happen all the time. They can absolutely still do it, though, because we do see it still happen. Um, I, my question is always, are they trying to do that and they're just failing, or are they like, we don't need to do that, bro. We're still moving subscriptions on the network. We're still moving chest protectors on the merch stand. It's about getting into India in Pakistan. It's yeah. not about activating Nick Costas's field Yeah, spot. like in 98, the cre- creativity was at such an all-time high that something like that. Because it had to be. Because of competition. Because it had to be. They sketched that that out and it worked and some and Vince said, "Oh my god, this is incredible. We have to do this." And then it happened. Right now, who is taking the time to do something like that at a Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble? The the Rollins interference might be the closest we've had to that. And even though it I mean, some people expected it. You knew it was out well, there. Well, the Daniel Bryan stuff at WrestleMania 30 was great. Even yeah. though you knew it was coming. But the it was problem still is, great. you know, cause you're on the dirt, in the dirt sheets are but way you, more prevalent. You're not calling a 1-900 number and you're the only guy in your town that knows what's gonna like happen. Mean Gene Okerlund, you know, but you too. didn't know that first turn was coming with Shane and you didn't know the second one was coming with Rock. To be that surprised twice in an hour, I don't see that happening anytime but, soon. But also, and here's the other thing about this, and it's not necessarily a criticism of the current performers now, that featured Steve Austin at the height of his powers, yeah. Dwayne Johnson at the height of his powers, oh, now, and Vince now, now McMahon. Dwayne, now, now you and Dwayne, no, whatever. And Vince McMahon at the height of his powers. Three of the greatest performers in the history of the sport, all coming together, a symphony of greatness. Right. I don't know. Like that, Hogan like, and Savage, they correct. were a tag team. They were a damn tag team. Correct. That's- so can like we don't care about the like. I don't care about Seth Rollins the way I cared about the no. Rock. Is that an insult to Seth Rollins? No. no. It's just the greatness of the There's Rock. There's way too many hours to fill. There's way too many superstars. There's a lot of way too many. There's also way too many minutes in this podcast. But we absolutely well, that, that's not true. brought it. So you want to hear more of this. You want to hear more of this passion. Subscribe, rate, review, do all that good stuff. Guys, I think we actually brought it. We, we absolutely brought it this week. WWE's going to have to be better next week, but we're going to be better no matter what. We just, we just absolutely bring it. And, you know, it was so funny, like the dichotomy. Last week's shows were great. This week's shows were garbage. Hopefully we get shows that are at least average next week. It's true. I mean, there was a drastic difference in the way this podcast was built. We had to find things to talk about because the show was so bad. Meanwhile, last week, we had to cut out two segments in the middle of the show while we're taping it. So it's not even close. Only one thing left to say. We out. <laughs> <laughs>